Secret Place Berlin, where we explore the sometimes hidden and not so well-known histories about Berlin, Germany. I'm your host, Lacey Berry, and today we'll observe the night sky over Berlin from the perspective of the greatest refractor of the Archenhold Observatory, Episode 8. On a clear night in the glow of the moon, one can bear witness to thousands of twinkling stars like suspended diamonds of the ancient skies. Berlin is a dark city, illuminated by more than half of the world's functioning gas lamps. This romantically dim light allows for any avid star watcher to gain a nightly glimpse of celestial theater. Personally observing a variation of shooting stars, wolf moons, blood moon lunar eclipses, and a solar eclipse that made the morning light so mysterious, the elements of my neighborhood were blanketed with a light that exposed the present moment, like watching an instant photo develop. Though viewing the dark twinkling heavens with the naked eye, with a pair of spectacles, or binoculars is one method, taking a glance through a massive telescope makes for one epic outer dimensional experience observing the cosmos. One such telescope is the Great Refractor, a long cylindrical device resembling that of a sky cannon sitting atop the Archenhold Observatory in Berlin. As mentioned briefly in Episode 7, the observatory is located behind what is now the Soviet War Memorial. But in the introduction of the Great Refractor, this area was something else, or for that matter, the entirety of Treptower Park was purposed for an exhibition of great curiosity and discovery, the Berlin Great Industrial Exposition. Looking very different from what we know of it today, Treptower Park was the site of construction in 1894. transforming the park into a menagerie of indoor and outdoor exhibits, refreshment stands, restaurants, beer gardens, waterways, and a small electrical tramway that shuttled visitors around the large fairgrounds. Initiated at a time when Germany was at the height of technological advancements and Berlin was at the center of science, industry, and innovation, the Great Industrial Exposition acted as an international showcase to debut the innovations of the German imperial era. Aside from some colonizing-themed exhibits that are rather cringeworthy by today's standards, the grounds held 3,780 exhibitions in 23 different topic groups, ranging from gastronomy to astronomy, occupying over 900,000 square meters, larger than any other fair in the world before and rivaled by Paris, London, and New York. The Expo's main and largest industry building of the 13 pavilions was the Hauptindustrie Gebaude, outfitted with towers and courts front-facing an artificial water basin located directly in the middle of the fairgrounds. Known as the New Lake, Neue Zee, 
It occupied 10,000 square meters of space and is roughly situated on the site the Soviet War Memorial is today. Expo visitors use this large manicured body of water to take breaks between bustling pavilions and enjoy some of the era's new aquatic crafts. There was unlimited things to see, learn, and experience, as Wikipedia states. The exhibition was not a simple trade fair, but it was more cast as a piece of art. It was not only about showing industrial advancements, but at the same time it showed the world to visitors of Berlin. The German food industry not only allowed its products, but they were also sold in many restaurants, beer gardens, as well as high-class gastronomy were present all around. In the lake haven, one could use Venetian gondolas to other side of the lake. A circus showed animals from the tropics, and a large panorama showed North Pole impressions. One could use a balloon to look at the place from above that had also a large water slide, the American theater and long series of the funfair rides. The German colonial exhibition, Deutsche Colonial Ausstellung, showed recreations of villages from East Africa, Togo, Cameroons, and New Guinea, complete with more than a hundred natives that were brought to Berlin for the real authentic impression. In the Cairo section, the small bazaar streets of the Cairo Old Town were recreated, complete with an Arabic cafe and a mosque. A pyramid was erected along with a small Egyptian peasant village. A lift ran alongside the pyramid to the top to be used as a high viewpoint. The Old Berlin exhibition showed a Berlin impression as it existed in the Middle Ages, complete with a market, a town hall, and a theater. Otto Lithenthal was showing his steam engines. He was not allowed to demonstrate his airplanes, but he gave a lecture on practical flight experiments on June 16, 1896. End old-timey accent. The electrification of the area and all its attractions required a dedicated power plant located on the fairgrounds. The electric illumination of the complete area was an impressive feat in its own right at the time. And among all this, just behind the noisy, the Great Refractor Telescope, still as it was, as it is today. In 1893, astronomers Wilhelm Forster and Max Wilhelm Meyer were tasked with conveying scientific and astronomical knowledge to the population at the Expo. Forster appointed his former student and passionate astronomer, Frederick Simon Archenhold, to make the planning for the development of the large telescope, referred to as the Great Refractor or Sky Cannon. Containing an Archimat object lens, a lens with chromatic arboration subtly separating RGB colors in light wavelengths to get the 3D look when viewing through it. At a diameter size of 68 centimeters, that's 26.7 inches. To give you an idea of size and weight, the Great Refractor was 21 meters in length and weighed 130 tons. 
When I was visiting the observatory in 2019, an elderly guide showed us a large contraption of gear systems and pulleys the gigantic telescope was mounted on. When turned on by key, a small roof cover would automatically lower, and a mount would rotate the telescope up and over before settling it in the opposite direction. I marveled at the intricacies of the machine's group of raw mechanical workings and engineering, just clearing the surrounding observatory as it gently adjusted the sky cannon around. The guide explained that such a system was added to attract visitors viewing the grounds from the nearby exiting overground S-bound station of the Great Expo. However, the telescope had to be versatile enough to get a good view of celestial bodies in the opposite direction. Therefore, under the direction of Archenhold, the machine mounted was the articulate compromise and adds to the sheer spectacle in action. Surrounding the vibration-free pedestal holding the telescope was a horseshoe-shaped wooden building that had exhibition rooms and a lecture hall. The timber construction depicted historicizing forms and carried a platform closed off by battlements. The Great Exposition was meant as a celebration of the 25th anniversary of the rise of Berlin to the imperial capital, therefore lasted from May 1, 1896 to October 15th of the same year. The largest telescope was a major success despite only being completed and opened in September 1986, but an interesting spectacle to say the least. The refractor alone attracted a large portion of Expo visitors up until its closure in mid-October 1896. All the other buildings had to be torn down as the fair allowance included a requirement that all installations were only to be temporary. But the refractor stayed due to its late debut and lack of funds left to dismantle the instrument. By the end of 1896, Archenhold became the installment's chairman and did not receive any funds or municipal grants to sustain it. Rather relied on donations from individuals, unions, and non-profit special interest groups such as Urania, a Berlin society focused on making scientific knowledge accessible to the public. Founded in 1888 by Holt's former professor and fellow astronomer, Wilhelm Forster. Therefore, Arschenhold made a promise to operate the now permanent attraction as a public observatory under the name Treptower Sternwarte E.V. Founded. Arschenhold managed associated exhibitions in the observatory and organized lecture events. The first exhibition consisted of the subjects of the history of astronomy, Earth and Moon, Sun and Planets, Comets and Falling Stars, Stars and Star Clusters, Instrument Science and Optics. Observations of standard objects, lunar eclipses and comets were just a few of the galactics theater visitors could view from the Great Refractor while learning about these in the Observatory Museum. In 1897, around 23,000 visitors came and by 1899, the number of visitors increased to over 60,000 up to the mid-1930s. 
The surrounding timber building was replaced with a more permanent one, designed by architects Conrad Keimer and Frederick Korte. Consisting of the same horseshoe shape, the new building took every consideration to house and allow just enough space to comfortably readjust the great refractor to any direction or height. The Great Refractor Telescope was a hint towards a growing fascination of space observation, and the observatory was a significant place of astronomical research. Frederick voyaging off to destinations of solar eclipses and ideal sunspots, bringing back his findings to share with the Berlin public in the Observatory Museum. One of his trips, Frederick met Andrew Carnegie in England in 1904 who later visited the observatory in 1907. Among others were Thomas Elva Edison, Simon Newcomb, Edward Charles Pickering, and Wilhelmina Fleming on a long voyage to America, where Frederick received an honorary doctorate from the Western University of Pennsylvania. But the most acclaimed science star ever to visit the observatory was a Berlin resident, Albert Einstein, who gave his theory of relativity speech in the observatory's lecture hall on June 2, 1915. You can still view the lecture hall if attending one of the observatory's events, or by polite request to one of the staff. Frederick Arschenhold continued his research in an additional sky field I find particularly interesting, the observation of glowing night clouds, with fellow observers of high atmosphere Otto Jesse and Wilhelm Forster. Arschenhold worked closely with Jesse at the observatory studying glowing night clouds or luminous night clouds, as they are more scientifically put, which are as magical as they sound. Luminous night clouds are collections of ice crystals above the mesosphere, in the mesospause. There, the absolute temperature minimum of the Earth's atmosphere is reached. The clouds appear at an altitude of 81 to 85 kilometers, in contrast to the cloud forms of the troposphere, which reach a maximum height of 13 kilometers. These are not to be confused with the polar stratospheric clouds. Seeing a picture of these glowing clouds look like bright snakes angling from an orange-lit horizon, typically seen at sunrise and sunset. Arschenhold during wartime was an opponent of the war and sympathized with the New Fatherland Confederation, a pacifist political association founded in 1914 during World War I. Arschenhold became honorary chairman of the Berlin Aviation Club found on July 17, 1928 which wanted to promote aviation in every direction. In 1931, on his 70th birthday, Arschenhold resigned from the position of director. He was succeeded by his son, Gunter Arschenhold, who lived from 1904 to 1999. In 1933, attacks against the Arschenhold family were committed by the Nazis since they were Jewish, and the observatory along with the Great Refractor Telescope were seized. 
Gunther Arschenhold had to resign from office at the end of 1936, under pressure from the National Socialists. Finally, the Arschenhold family were forced to give up their life's work and emigrate. Some relatives were sent to concentration camps. Among them was Frederick's wife, Alice Arschenhold, and daughter Hilda, who were sent to the Theresienstadt concentration camp, where both women sadly perished. Alice and Friedrich Arschenhold would never meet again in life and in physical death. Frederick Simon Arschenhold passed in Berlin on October 14, 1939, and Alice passed on February 9, 1943, in Theresienstadt. Frederick Simon Arschenhold's grave is located in the middle of the state's own central cemetery in Friedrichsfelde, in the district of Lichtenberg, and on the anniversary of Alice Arschenhold's death, a street in Berlin, Niederschöneweide, was renamed after her in 2010. As the observatory hung in limbo during the Second World War, the administrative management was entrusted to an astronomically ignorant civil servant, and the facility was incorporated into the main school administration in Berlin. Richard Sommer took over the scientific management. During these years, the German Working Group for Solar Research, Dargesso, and the Berlin Astronomical Association, BAV, came to the observatory, which eventually joined with the Celestial Working Group. Towards the end of the Second World War, the southwest wing of the observatory building was damaged by bombings. Luckily, the Great Refractor and Arschenhold's legacy remained unscathed, for on August 17, 1946, the observatory was given the name Arschenhold Observatory on the basis of a proposal by Otto Winzer, the City Council for Public Education. The war damage to the building had been repaired by 1948, with some structural simplifications. On June 1, 1948, the Berlin magistrate appointed observatory Dietrich Wattenberg, a new owner and director whom had already worked with Arschenholt. The number of visitors to the Great Refractor once again rose annually from 8,000 by 1946 to 25,000 annually by 1949. In 1958, the large refractor was shut down due to technical defects, but was preserved as a technical monument. From 1959, the observatory was increasingly used for teaching purposes in physics and astronomy, where two additional domes for refractors and telescopes were built on the site by the 1960s. Adding an additional lecture hall with 48 seats, the solar physics cabinet, with the possibility of projecting a sun image with a diameter of 80 centimeters and a solar spectrum 3 meters in length, debuted in 1966. The solar physics cabinet was particularly beautiful, seating visitors in a circular formation on reclining seats that had a view of an introverted dome above. Our astronomer guide pushed buttons and turned dials on a faint green control panel fixed with blinking lights resembling that of a Captain Kirk-era starship Enterprise. This controlled an orbital-looking projecting device stationed in the middle of the seating circle. 
As our guide explained the stations of the stars and planets over Berlin, they appeared before us on the dome as we view comfortably from our darkened seats. On November 1, 1976, after 28 years of service, Dietrich Wattenberg resigned as director and appointed his referral Dieter B. Hermann as a new director of the observatory. On March 12, 1982, the observatory received a small planetarium with 90 instead of 60 seats. The giant telescope, taken out of service in 1958, was repaired lovingly in 1977 and could be used again from 1983. Due to the resurrection of the Great Refractor, the annual number of visitors was around 70,000 in the 1980s. In 1987, a cease large planetarium already suggested during Archenhold's lifetime was built, for political reasons, however, it did not come to Treptower Park, but to Ernst Thalmann Park in berlin Prenzlauerberg, Forming a joint facilitation with the Archenhold Observatory and the planetarium at the Insulaner William Forster Observatory, founded by Hans Müller and Hans Kischling in 1947, as of July 1, 2016. Programs for all three planetariums and observatories can be found at website planetarium.berlin. I will include this in the show notes. After the reunification of the two German states and the merging of the Berlin administrations in 1990, the observatory became part of the municipal school administration. Once again, substantial maintenance on the Great Refractor and Observatory building was carried out in 1989-1990 and 1995-1996. The large telescope had been functional since and available for nightly observations as of January 2019. From mid-2002 to June 2016, the observatory was assigned to the German Museum of Technology in Berlin. The longtime director, Dieter B. Hermann, retired in 2005. The head of the astronomy department of the German Museum of Technology, Klaus Staubermann, took over the management for some time before Felix Lunig became director of Archenhold Observatory in 2009. As we strolled out of the observatory, I made sure to catch a peek of the lecture hall where Albert Einstein gave his famous theory of relativity speech, as well as the bust of the loving founder and passionate astronomer Frederick Simon Archenhold. Created in the 1960s by sculpture artist Theo Balden in granite and sits just outside the observatory entrance today. It is a reminder that it is always possible to materialize your dreams into existence, no matter how big the undertaking. If you would like to visit the Archenhold Observatory, or Archenhold Sternwarte in German, 
it still lies in the center of Berlin's Treptower Park and is the oldest and largest public observatory in Germany. But do keep in mind its centerpiece and the topic of this episode, a 21-meter giant telescope called the Great Refractor, is still the longest movable refracting telescope in the world today. I hope you enjoyed learning about the Great Refractor of Archenhold Observatory. Thank you for going on this nightly viewing with me. For more information about Secret Place Berlin and to join the Secret Place Berlin community, please go to my website, www.laceyberry.com slash secretplaceberlin or follow us on Instagram at secretplaceberlin where I release a custom illustration made by me in relation to the secret place we shared on this program. Secret Place Berlin also has a Patreon where you can support us. Though we love creating each episode and sharing our favorite places and secrets about Berlin, Secret Place Berlin does need your support to keep researching the secrets. Our Patreon monthly subscriptions start at just one euro, where I will happily send you a Secret Place Berlin sticker in gratitude. You can set your support amount higher and receive limited edition postcards, artworks, and tours for you and a friend. For more information, check the link in the show notes. And as always, big thank you to our already current subscribers. Please also remember to rate and review us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. Music for this episode is made by Alice Coley. You can find a link to more of her wonderful music and links to our show's resources in the show notes. In the meantime, thank you for listening and have a discreetly secret evening. Goodbye and auf Wiedersehen.